This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey folks, we're back with another weekly update. And uh, Clay and I have some pretty cool stuff to talk about. And uh, we both have deer in the freezer, so that's cool. And yeah. uh, and it was actually, I'll tell my story because it was my deer first. Mm-hmm. Um, I shot a deer, and it was close. I went out, I sat all day waiting for a buck, started questioning myself, and then when the opportunity finally did present itself, it was a doe. It wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't what I was expecting to stroll through there, but it didn't matter. At that point, I had hunted all day long and didn't see anything other than one doe, and she was a nice, fairly fat doe, and I took her at 25 yards. But, caveat, I dropped down to lower my position because there was a branch in front of me because on public land, and this is the one thing that kind of bugs me, but I can see why, because some people will go to the extreme, is you can't cut limbs or even branches out of your way and trim little shot lanes. So there was a branch in front of me, and I had to duck down where she was at. I ducked down, and when I did, I must have canted my bow, and my shot was kind of far back. And I kind of knew that when I shot, so I waited a little while before I got down. And I got down and looked. I could not find my arrow in the dark. It was tall grass. I could not find a single drop of blood. And at that point, knowing what I knew, and knowing that I probably pulled my shot, the ethical and the right thing to do, as hard as it is sometimes, to not look for that animal, is to back out. And so I backed out. But before I backed out, I also fell in the creek and got completely sopping wet. I didn't hear that part. (laughs) All of my gear. I wasn't wearing tall rubber boots. I was wearing my regular boots. I didn't have gaiters on. So once again, I got wet, folks. (laughs) 
and it was cold that night. And so I hiked out, went home, didn't sleep much that night, got up in the morning and hunted the same area in hopes that I would either see her or, you know, an amazing buck. Not that I wouldn't still look for the doe, but I uh, didn't see anything. And so by first light, when it was actual light and the gray light had, had faded and was gone, I got down and looked. I located my arrow, didn't find hardly any blood on it. But there was a little bit of brown matter, and I knew that I did, in fact, hit her in the stomach. Mm. And that was disheartening because I knew there wouldn't be much blood at that point or much to trail off of. And she had been down for, it would have been probably nine hours at that point, ten hours. So a decent amount of time. And so I scoured the hedgerow slash honeysuckle thicket that she ran into. And looked and didn't see anything. And uh, at this point, I searched for a while. Didn't see anything at all. No blood. Kept back trailing. And I decided I would come back out. But I had to leave because I couldn't go through all the fields. I didn't want to screw up the pheasant hunters. But right before I left that morning, I heard something get up and stumble and then take off running. And I was like, that might be my deer, but I have no idea where or what direction it went. And I knew I couldn't get a tracker dog. This is the one, the worst thing about having a friend that has a tracker dog, a deer tracking dog is knowing that when I hunt public land, you cannot use a tracking dog during the daylight hours. It has to be at night when no one else Mm -hmm. is hunting. And, Knowing that my friend has a very busy tracking dog that during the day recovers up to five to seven deer sometimes, that's a lot of running and you can't run your dog to death. So I didn't bother calling him. So that next morning as I'm leaving, somewhat discouraged, still have faith that I'm going to go out after the pheasant hunters leave the fields and I'm going to scour the fields and look for this deer. That was my plan. And as I'm walking out, one of the pheasant hunters, I'm talking to them and he says, well, just give me your number, and uh, if we find, if my dog or we find it, I'll give you a call. I said, that would be amazing. Thank you so much. That, that you know, really helps ease my burden a little bit of how I can't find this deer. And uh, so I go home, do a few things, and it's like an hour and a half later at this point. It's almost noon, and I get a phone call hey, we found your deer. And I'm like, no way. He's like, yeah, it's over one of the thickets from where you were telling me. It doesn't seem like it's that far from where it ran and shot it. So he went and drug it out onto the trail from the field that it was in. And I went and threw back on my orange and went out and recovered that deer. And it only went about 200, maybe 250 yards from where I actually shot it. Wow. But if I would have got down and pushed that deer, it could have went a mile. If I would have went and looked for it, it could have went a mile. It's happened before. Mm -hmm. I mean, not with me, but other people that have pushed. And it's like the biggest takeaway is if you don't know what you did, just back. It's so hard to back out because you Mm -hmm. don't want to lose that animal. You don't want to do anything. But if you give them time, you're going to find it's going to die anyway. Might as well let it die close to where you shot it. And yeah, and I've heard that so many times, and it's so hard to do. 
And throughout the entire sleepless night that I had, it was super tough to do that. But in the end, even though I didn't find it, it was very close. And those pheasant hunters found it for me. And I'm super grateful for that. And didn't you say that you was still warm when you found it? Um, it So it had just, rigor mortis had just set in. Okay. So um, it probably died when I kicked it up. And then, you know, by the three and a half, four hours, you know, nine o'clock is when I left, whatever. It, mm-hmm. it set into rigor mortis at that point. So it probably did, yes, get up and run. It was probably the deer I heard get up and run, and it was his final run. But mm-hmm. if I had no direction or any, even an inclination of where it actually went because it was so thick in there. I didn't even, you know, I couldn't see anything or hear, like, where it went. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that was a pretty big doe then? Decent doe. A lot of fat on her. Probably oh corn fat clay. You know, mm. not what you would like. <laughs> but here's the, here's the other thing that I thought of when you say you don't like the corn. I bet you it's not even necessarily the meat itself. Mm-hmm. It's the fat. Yeah, but I tr- I don't I don't leave. I mean, I don't leave, leave like wild it. game fat on. I think it. I don't like it. Well, I actually don't think it tastes bad. It's just that if it, if you don't get it down the gullet, um, piping hot, then. Uh, you got wax throat, oh, wax mouth, you know. No, but I'm saying the corn versus the non-corn. Uh, oh. you know, one that eats off a of bag and one that doesn't. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily if it would taste that much different if it was just the meat versus because it's not like the meat has marbling in it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, I definitely do notice a major difference in my opinion. Like I said, um, almost every year. Hmm. somebody from southern michigan gives me venison and do they give you like a really old musky old buck or something too you know like no, is that no, why they just, give it away i'm just no, <laughs> no, no I mean? I, because you get a lot of people and this is not this is not me or you but there's a lot of people who say the word gamey in my life you know mm-hmm. and in in um i can't even fathom it you know deer meat is like seriously so good you know yes i agree with that and um so like but you often do hear people say you know oh venison is so gamey yeah (laughs) the one thing i'm sad about clay is i didn't get to recover the tenderloins the inside loins oh because i got shatter and so all of her stomach juices were like eating it all night but everything else was fully recovered yeah yeah that's kind of sad uh yeah that's my favorite uh, that's your favorite? Oh, butter. I eat them that night. Like, I eat them fresh mm-hmm. from the deer. If it's not that mm-hmm. night, it's the next day. And it's in a pan with, like, real butter. I'm talking stuff that's, like, gold from being grass-fed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff that doesn't hardly brown in the pan, right? Because some, I mean, but, some butter, especially, like, some store-bought butter is just, like, ugh. It turns brown right away, super white-looking. <laughs> like, it doesn't look natural. Anyway. Yeah some good butter in a pan and then throw some like thyme in there and just let that go and like spoon it over them and, and just a couple minutes, you know, still nice and medium rare, rare tender and just eat them up. Yeah. Delicious salt and pepper. Yeah. I, uh, I think they're really tasty too, but um, honestly just all of the venison tastes so good. 
you know. I think to maybe me. though it's just like because it's like cementing the kill, you know, like that's the first feast of the deer. I don't know. Oh uh, yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. Do you eat yeah. your heart? Did you eat your heart? Didn't eat it yet. No, I actually um my kids really love it. And you know, my older two kids I only have every other week. Mm -hmm. So um I saved it for when they come back. Nice. <laughs> it's an yeah. Because they, they like it. Um plus heart's got a lot of good nutrients in it, CoQ ten, things like that. So um I don't know. I like to share the organs with my children. Okay. So yeah. Let's talk about your deer. Um, my deer was uh, another big fat doe. I um, killed the matriarch of a big group of probably eight does. Very nice. Um, I um, was just stalking this public land um, by my house, only four miles away. So like ultra local to my home. Perfect. Yeah. And um, I had seen tons of action in this field and um so i i stalked down this um kind of wide pathway like not this is a nature preserve that has zero tra uh, trails in it at all um they like for some reason the the sign up front says that they don't want to put trails through it so it's just completely wild i like it um so i was stalking really 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 slowly down this uh kind of wide path and i um yeah i i come around this bend and there's an open field and uh i'm like ah oh, crap <laughs> you know like i kind of like jut out into the opening and there there before me are like eight deer and there's like a pine tree like a white pine tree on my left hand side that's like partially obscuring me but i see like eight deer and they are like right there like you know 30 yards away and um the big matriarch doe you know of the group she comes up and starts looking at me and hoof stomping and mm -hmm. you know and and i was like legitimately just like a statue just stood there um i had one foot like partially off the ground because i was at mid-step when i noticed them and I stayed in that position for literally 15 minutes, like at least. So did you know when yeah. she's stomping her foot, there's what's called an interdigital gland uh -huh. that releases certain pheromone smells uh -huh. and it releases a danger smell when she's stomping her foot so that mm -hmm. the other deer can actually smell that. So it puts them on alert. No way. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's pretty cool. Um, it, it was actually like, aside from, you know, like I was, I had game face on, right? Like I was like, dude, I'm not going to move, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, but in my head, I'm like sitting there and I'm thinking, this is the craziest encounter I've ever had. These things are very beautiful. Like it was, it was really like cool to just see, like she walked up, like the wind was blowing in my direction. So there was like no way she was going to smell me. Right. Um, but she probably walked up 15, 20 feet away from me. And then and you just blasted her? No, 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 no. That I, I sat there um, and didn't make a move because if I had moved, she would have ran immediately and everybody would have ran with her. You don't right? think you could have blasted her before she ran, though? No, I didn't right. want to try that. Okay. So so I <laughs> sat there. <laughs> I sat there and I, um, you know, I just patiently waited. And then finally she gave up 
and um, she let her guard down, walked back out into the field, um, and I was able to kind of like move forward like a few paces, like real slowly. And then um, it hasn't, I haven't done this in the past, but this year I really wanted to protect my ears. So I was able to, so I was, I was even able to lower my, uh, my ear protection. I was able to, um, you know, get on one knee and get on my shooting stick. And then, um, and then I, like I said, I picked her because she was the biggest one. So how far and, was she then? Uh, 40 yards by the time I shot her. Did you range it or how do you know? Uh, I just judged it, you know, like, like if I was like, think, I always think of it like kind of like football field links, like mm-hmm. they go like, you know, they're 10 yards, 10 yeah, yards. Yeah, 10 I yards, get it. Know? I'm just and, uh, always curious. No, I did not. I don't have a range finder. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I shot her and um, I think maybe I may have like jerked the trigger a tiny bit mm-hmm. because um, I was aiming for the heart but I ended up hitting her. It was like a double lung slash like lower spine or, or like, so, like, like, so it went, so it went up a few inches from where I shot. Okay. So, so, but, but so I did you, end up, if it was a few inches from the heart, it would be like shoulder. I mean, I'm talking straight up. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe like up and back or something. If it was back, it would be double lung. And that's actually, yeah, Double lugging them is the best possible scenario that you could do because it's a way bigger target. If you think about it, the lungs are a way bigger target than the heart, which is maybe four inches. You know what I mean? It's, it's a way better shot. Granted with a bullet, you can actually not even hit them in the heart and the, the percussion, the shock wave of the bullet as it's going through the wound channel yeah, that, that shock wave will actually stop the heart. <laughs> it will. The shock wave will hit the heart, and it will stop the rhythm completely. Killing. No it. way. Yeah. Well, um, but but it knocked down right on the spot where mm-hmm. I shot it, you know. And uh, just like you said, um, I uh, I actually all the other deer ran away, and then um, I gave it a minute, and then I was like, well, surely it's dead by now and i got up and i started walking towards and it was like just a couple minutes later you know and uh it started like kicking its legs Mm -hmm. and and i was like oh and i like i like backed off because exactly what you said i did not want it to like get up and run you could have put another shot at it there's nothing wrong with yeah nothing wrong with wasting another bullet to ensure that that animal is completely down same thing with hunters that's the biggest thing I was talking to a buddy the other day and a a guy his dad hunted with knew whatever or had permission to hunt the same property his dad was hunting. He shot a really big deer, like a 180 mm-hmm. inch deer mm-hmm. and proceeded because the deer dropped down, proceeded to film it as it was on the ground thrashing with his phone, film it, rather mm-hmm. than put another arrow in it. And guess <laughs> what happened? That deer what? dropped down, thrashed on the ground for a little bit, got back up and ran. Oh my God. <laughs> Never found it, went on the neighbor's property. The neighbor said, no, you don't have permission to go get it. It's still alive. Oh, my God. Had it on camera. 
The neighbor's like, well, now it's going to hang out on my property and I'm going to kill it. Oh, my God. But the moral of the story there is don't be a dumbass and pick up your phone and start mm-hmm. filming. Yeah. Put another bullet in it. Put another right. arrow in it. Yeah. If it's down on the ground, what are you going to hurt? Are you going to waste meat? No, mm-hmm. not really. Not if you're hitting it in the lungs or the vitals like you should have done the first time. No mm-hmm. offense. Not saying you did or didn't. But a lot yeah. of people, they think a deer is down, and this happens. And I was just talking to somebody who tracks a lot of deer. Um, you actually hit them in between the spot, like not in the spine, but in mm-hmm. between the spine and like the body cavity itself. Mm-hmm. And that initial shock puts them in a temporary paralysis. Okay. So they drop down and they bed there for a minute until like, it's like when you hit your elbow or something, right? And you get that numb sensation and you don't want to move it and you can't move it for a little while. Mm-hmm. But then you do and everything's fine. Well, as soon as that deer realizes that it has its senses back, it'll get up and it'll run off. Oh, man. But so... I mean, just think about it. People shoot a deer. They're like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. He's down. But it's not down. It's temporarily down. If you can see the deer, the biggest and best thing you could do so you don't lose that animal is put another one in it. Really? Yeah. Okay. A follow-up. Yeah, but like, um, hmm, I guess uh, I've only ever shot four deer now. And um, two with gun and two with uh, the... um, Crossbow, my French French war bow. bow. (laughs) Um, And uh, your your handicap. Yeah, my handicap (laughs) bow. My handicap bow. But with the rifle, um, the first year I shot, it was um, with the rifle, and that was instantaneously down. Mm -hmm. I mean, and um, that was like uh, ended up being like a shoulder slash like neck shot. Mm -hmm like kind of um yeah obviously like i i do and i fully acknowledge this you know like i am not the best marksman (laughs) as far as as, that's yeah as far as like like well it's just the lazy (laughs) eye it's not it's not your fault (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) um i'm not i'm not uh the best uh marksman in in that like uh, if I if I don't have something like when I'm squirrel hunting, I can hit them like right in the head, right? But it's like I'll push, I'll put the uh, the 22 up against a tree, and okay. I'll really st- and I'll really steady it, right? You know, I always like to find a tree to steady it up against. I'm just not that great at like freehand shooting, you know. It's just you got to work on it. There's no yeah yeah unless you get that muscle memory and you get the a lot of it has to do with how you tighten and draw and you want to pull it super tight into your body and you actually want to use your anchor arm and the other one's actually fairly loose. Like there's all kinds of techniques. If you study or look into that, um, mm-hmm. a lot of the, believe it or not, a lot of the tactical guys that like shoot on the move mm-hmm. have the best anchor and form for shooting like off like freehand like that. You know what I mean? Like not, in a fixed position yeah yeah but i i I gotta i gotta work on it but the point is is that usually with a deer you know in my mind with a bullet there's a big enough area right there paper plate yeah yeah so it's like i 
if I'm off by like two, three inches, then I, I, I never really feel like, oh God, I'm like so worried with, whereas with an arrow, like with a crossbow, I have always been very careful to like be a lot more precise. Like the last deer that I stalked with my, with my crossbow, I shot right through the heart mm -hmm. and, um, still ran like, I don't know how, like a hundred yards. Yeah. If you get both <laughs> lungs, the deer's not going to go a hundred yards. Oh, really? No. They, it, I mean, they suffocate. It's, it's, it's impossible. Mm. Like, I mean, 60, maybe, I mean, hundred, maybe if you nick a lung and you hit another one, you know what I mean? But like, if you go mm -hmm. through and puncture those lungs, they collapse. There's zero air. They're basically running on what they have. Okay. The heart, they have to bleed all the way out, right? Like, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. And that's why um, the tracker guy says, he's like, I don't, all these guys aim for a heart. He's like, just double lung them. Yeah. Double lung them. That, yeah, that was his email for a long time, is double lung them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I know we only have a few more minutes because it's just like a, a weekly update, or at this point, it would we'll be, talk uh, about the stub stack on the next one. Yeah. 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 Oh, you yeah. want to talk about it? The next yeah. one? Okay. All right. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I was thinking um, if we keep doing them like this, we could call it our fortnightly update. You're such a dork, dude. You play Fortnite too? No, no, no. Fortnightly means every two weeks. It's like a British way but it, of saying it. But it everything. wouldn't be um, every two weeks. It would actually be weekly. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm saying... Uh, I'm saying that we haven't done one in a couple of weeks. Well, that's, that's like because we did a full episode that was a weekly update. Oh, you forget correct. the, the squirrel yeah, yeah. swamps, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Squirrel swamps okay. and snares. I think. All right. Well, that, yeah. That's our that's our update, man. All right. So, if anybody wants to reach out to us for episode corrections or comments, concerns, anything that they want to maybe know further in detail or maybe a guest that they want on the show they can go to clay underscore bowers and slide into those dms on socials or go to publiclychallenge.com and contact us yeah and with that folks I... we leave you <laughs> see you guys next time